Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 in God's Word, please. And uh, for the last 12 months, we've not been able to run our buses because of COVID. And every Saturday, Becky, and typically PJ or PJ and Tim and Phoebe, they go visit all the bus kids. They tell them, we love you. And very soon, we're going to put the bus back on the road and bring it. And every week, there's tears shed. Because those kids stand there and say, when, when do we get to come back to Sunday school? Can you come and take us to Sunday school? And uh, for far too long, we've said no. But that's coming to an end. We've said, boy, kids need to go back to school. <laughs> Amen. You know, listen, kids need to go back to Sunday school. There's no teacher's union standing by to, to prevent it, right? No legislators preventing it. It's something that needs to happen. And uh, we, don't have, we don't need uh, $400 billion from the federal government in order to make that happen. All we need is a gallon of gas and a willing bus driver, right? And uh, we, we, just, we just need to go do it. We're going to. And so I'm thankful for Becky that she just doesn't stand up here and sing, but that she's faithfully involved in bringing others to Christ on a regular basis. And, uh, and many of your kids are the same way. I'm not trying to lift her up above another. But uh, I'm, as, I'm as proud of her as her dad as you are of your kids. Amen. And is that okay? Okay, I'm just checking. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says here in verse number 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with all longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one, what? Body. And one spirit, even as you are called, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Father God, I pray that today you would use me. Please, O oh God, fill me with thy spirit. Help me to communicate with power the truth that you have impressed upon my heart. Lord, if there be someone here today that does not know thee as Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And through it all, I pray that we might all be somehow drawn closer to the center of your will for our lives. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, Organize Religion. Organized religion, or as a subtitle, drawing near to his body when we don't like it. <laughs> How many of you know people that say, I love Jesus, I just don't like his kids very much. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm not in for church and, and Christians, I, 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 I like Jesus. You know, if, if I went over to, to Angie and I said, Angie, I really love you, I just hate your kids. You know what, she probably wouldn't want to have anything to do with me, right? You probably think, man, you, you feel that way about my kids. I got no use for you, right? 
And I wonder how God must feel when we say, okay, God, I really love you. I just can't stand your kids. That's a rough thing to think, isn't it? Nobody would probably dare say that to the Lord God, but we kind of get an attitude sometimes toward the body, which is comprised of God's kids. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about that God is a father? And when you touch one of his kids, you just got on his case? You know, I got four daughters. Four. Pray for me. Right? Now, now look, I'm, I'm thankful we just had the third one married off. I still got one more to go, right? And uh, as, as, as soon as I can save up, we're going to make plans for that. I'm, 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 I'm asking for takers now to pay the highest dowry, okay? But the point, now I'm just teasing. But, but listen, if somebody starts messing with one of my girls, you, you just woke me up, right? You're on my bad side now. And sometimes we just treat God's kids like as if they didn't have a father who cared about them. And I think we need to, we need to sometimes look at the truth and understand what the Bible has to say. And if you're like me, you've heard somebody say, if you haven't said it your own self sometime, I don't like organized religion. How many of you have ever heard that? You've heard that, all right? So, so how many of you have said that? You've said it, all right? A couple of honest folks here today. How many of you are thinking it right now? All right, you know, the fact is, look, my favorite reaction to that is, and you know, people, they know they're talking to a preacher and they're like, I'm not into organized religion. It's like me going to a doctor's office and saying, I'm not really into the practice of medicine. You know, <laughs> you know and it's like, what, what do I expect them to do at that point? You know, it's like, well, what are you doing here then? <laughs> you know, and I always say, when they say, I'm not into organized religion, I say, are you into disorganized religion? Right? I'm like, well, no, that's not really what it means, you know. But I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? You're like, well, you know. And then I say something like, well, you mean you're not into institutionalized, politicized type of religion? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't like that. And uh, you know what I always say? Yeah, I don't either. I hate that. You know what? God doesn't like that very much either. Because you know what? God is not interested in us forming a religion He's interested in us having a relationship with Him. Amen? And so, listen, that's really what Christianity, Christianity is fundamentally. And so, But there are a lot of people that just have this bias against the church. There's all kinds of, of church haters, and uh, they, they know, well, the, the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, and, and I, I'm called to kind of love those people all throughout the Bible, and it's evidence of my salvation, because the Bible says, hereby we know that we have been passed from death unto life. In other words, here's how we know we're saved, that we have love for the brethren. Right? That's Christ's body. Right? So listen, there are many that love the idea of the universal church, but they despise the reality of the local church. Now, let me just tell you something. There is a universal church. It just hasn't had a formal meeting yet. It's made up of all the true saints of Christ from every age. 
from in this church age. Listen, from the time of Christ to the present, the universal church is made up of true believers in Jesus. And I, I shared this with you last week, that there are people who may have their name on a church roll somewhere, but their name is not in the Lamb's book of life because they have never personally accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But how can we say, I love the universal church, but I despise the reality of the local church? Well, I think there are many reasons why people tend to drift away from the local church. And yet, it is the precise manner in which our gifts can be fully used and the body of Christ may be organized to carry out the work and the purpose of God. Now, I just want to say this to you. The universal church is made up of all true believers in Jesus Christ. But just think about this. The book of Ephesians, who was it written to? The universal church? Well, we could argue that, but it was written to a body of believers in a location called Ephesus. The church of Colossae was written to a group of believers in a location called Colossae. The book of Thessalonians were written to a group of believers in a location called Thessalonica. We could go on and on. The, the book of Second John was written to a lady at a location who had a church meeting in her home. We, we know that the book of 3 John was written to a local church that was having some problems. The church, the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd, were written to a church at a location in Corinth. Now, I realize that they didn't probably meet in buildings like this. They probably met in open air. They met in, in the, the catacombs. They met in the woods. And often they met in people's homes. And so in a place like Corinth, or a place like Ephesus, or a place like Thessalonica, there were many home churches, many locations where people would gather together, but it was overseen by those who were teaching and preaching, communicating truth, and they were dealing with issues within the body, and that's precisely the reason why God ordained for there to be pastors. The word pastor in the Greek, there's a number of words that give us that word, one of those is poimen, which means shepherd, which means that God has set up under shepherds to lead local assemblies of believers. He's ordained for there to be deacons that would serve together with those pastors to carry out the great commission according to thus saith the Lord. And so God did not just say, just you're on your own, come up with your best idea to try to figure it all out and send everyone out willy-nilly trying to do their own thing. No, God said, listen, we want to systematically do this thing. And that's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that God is not the author of confusion. All right? The Bible there again says, let all things be done decently and in order. So God's plan is that we systematically engage His work so He organized churches, He empowered them and authorized them for the use of the keys of the kingdom to carry His message to the ends of the earth in a way that would accomplish His task of evangelizing this world. So He organized a church to carry out His work. There are many that declare that they hate 
organized religion. And when they declare it, they loop every church into that statement. They really have a bias against Christianity as a whole. And you cannot remove Christ from Christianity. If you move Christ from Christianity, you just have anity, right? I, I guess. And uh, some of you are like, I only went to the second grade in spelling. But but anyway, if you remove Christ from Christianity, you just have anity. But the, the point I'm just making is this. Look, there are reasons why people have that bias towards the church and why they feel like they don't want to be a part of a church family. Sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to join the church. And uh, sometimes I ask them, well, why do you say that? They say, well, I'm not a joiner. Okay? You're not a joiner? Okay? So... Um, you're wearing a veteran pin, you signed up for the draft, you join the army, right? You're not a joiner. Should people not join the army or the armed services because they're not a joiner? Um, I see some people in here work at a grocery store, they join the union, right? Well, you know, I'm not going to sign on to that. So, well, you know what? You, you took out a mortgage, you mortgaged your soul for the next 30 years of your life, but you're not a joiner? Come on, man. If you want to be consistent, save up the money and pay for it cash. Do you know what I'm saying? Folks, listen, we, we say dumb things that our life can't support. How many of you know what I mean? And I think every once in a while we ought to just stop and think before we speak, right? I, I had a teacher in fifth grade who was a very wise man, okay? And uh, Mr. Boland. And you know what he used to tell us kids all the time? My wife will get mad at me about this later. It's okay, I'm going to tell you anyhow. <laughs> but uh, he used to say, you kids have constipation of the brain and diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> In other words, we, we don't think before we speak. And, and the fact is, look, sometimes we need to stop and consider what the Bible says before we go rambling at the mouth. Can I get a witness? Some, somebody say amen when I preach that good story. Amen. <laughs> Look, so why do people feel this way? Why should I draw near to the body when we don't like it? What about organized religion? Why do people make that statement and have that bias? Well, I found some basic ideas from the Word of God, and I want to share them with you this morning because I believe that uh, you'll bear this out from the Scripture and in your own lives. But the Bible says this, and if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a great teaching concerning the body of Christ. The Bible reveals there in verse 13 that for by one spirit are we all baptized into Christ and have been all made to drink into one spirit, whether we Jew or Gentile, and so whether we're bond or free. The, the baptism there is not in water, but it is spiritual baptism, and that makes us a part of the universal church. That makes us a part of the body of Christ. Do you understand? And so we are placed into Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm happy this morning our pastor emeritus is amening me. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's always nerve-wracking when you have, have pastors in the midst and they're just glaring at you. <laughs> you think, am I preaching heresy or what? You know, but uh, he's saying amen. And But listen, it goes on to explain what that body is. It's made up of what the Bible calls members. Isn't that interesting? And so look, 
verse number 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, so this is a member of my body. You see that? This is a member of my body. So when I hurt this arm, the good arm is going to care for that. So when I hurt my right arm, my left arm is going to care for it. So they're going to have the same care one for another. That's how God planned for this body to work, okay? With its members ministering to each other. So whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So let's examine why people don't like organized religion or the church in general. Number one reason, members. Members. <laughs> now let me ask you a question. How many of you are saved here? Okay. So then, how many of you are members of the body of Christ? Let me see your hand. Y'all put your hand up right there, okay? So... Do you know why a lot of people won't have anything to do with the church? Because of its members. True or false? Now, I'm just going to say this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 11, it is commonly reported that there are divisions among you. He, he wrote to the church and said, Y'all are not getting along at all, right? In chapter 11, he said, there's heresies also. And I believe it, he said. And so, look, they were having a, a terrible time. There were problems that were going on. And I'm going to just tell you that often we don't want to draw near to the body of Christ because we don't get along with those that we're called to love. True or false? How many of you know people that have left the church? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many of you have attended another church before this one? So you've left the church. <laughs> I have a lot of people. I'm not a church hopper. You know, I'm, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to stick and I'm going to stay. You know, be like a tree planted by the river of water. I'm going to just be there till the cows come home, till Jesus comes, and just count on it. But, but listen. There are some people that just bounce all over the place and they go to a church and there's, you know, a thousand people there and one person is not nice to them and so they leave the 999 that are. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, folks, I'm just going to tell you something. I've, I've had bad doctors that prescribed things that I didn't, that were not good for me. I've had doctors that have not done a good job on surgeries or procedures that they did on me. And you know what? I didn't swear off on going to the doctor. Did you? No. You still went, right? Now, now listen. I've, I've, gone to, I've gone to restaurants where they didn't bring my meal like I ordered it. But I didn't stop eating out. Did you? No, I've gone to grocery stores where the lady at the cash register was just meaner than a rattlesnake, but I didn't stop going to the grocery store. Did you? No. So, listen, I want to ask you a question. Why is it that it's just God and His people that we despise? Why is it just Christians we have a bias towards? 
What is it about us? You know, listen, honestly, sometime read the book of 1 John. It really does say, you know, hereby we know that we have been passed from death unto life. That means here's how you know we're saved. The beloved physician right here. That you love the brethren. So God calls me to draw near. And the body of Christ is made up of all true believers in Jesus. And here's a gathering of them in an organized, assembled place. And what we need to understand is there are a lot of people that don't like Christianity or religion or church itself because of what they see going on with its members. And here's what I want you to see. They get disillusioned. And, here, and here's what I think it is. Well, I wish I had time to write. I hope you write some of these things down. I, we'll start passing these out at some point. We'll have to figure out a way to do it. But listen, there are disillusionments that come. Okay? So what happens is, first of all, there are some that leave the church because what God said could happen did happen. Well, in Acts chapter 20, Paul said to the church there, After my departure, there shall enter in grievous wolves not sparing the flock. And there are going to be many who, who are pernicious in their ways that, that draw a following after themselves. It's just a big, big show in pride, and they don't care about people. That's going to happen, all right? So what God said could happen, did. And you know what people are like, oh, no, I can't think. that's what they call Christianity. I want no part of it. How many of you ever heard that one? From the same guy that said, I hate organized religion, right? Are, are you with me? How many of you have ever, before you got Christ, before you accepted Christ, you felt this way too? How many of you are like that? Okay, there are people like that. They just never imagined themselves being in church and thinking much of Christ and His people, and so they they would they would say, you know, if that's what their Christianity is, I want no part of it. Well, that's not Christianity. That's just bad behavior, right? It's not Christianity. It's just bad behavior. So what happens is, what God said could happen did, and it blows us out of the water. Well, God said it could happen, so why are you so freaked out about it happening? Huh? Why? Well, I just didn't want it to happen here. I just didn't want it to happen to me. Well, listen, it, it happens, right? So, so secondly, what God said would happen did. What do you mean? Well, you go to Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus said in letters written in red, it is impossible but that offenses will come. You know what the Lord is saying there, Brother Keith? You're going to get offended. It's impossible for you not to be offended. Okay? How many of you have ever been offended in a church? Let me see your hand. Raise it up big and high. You have been offended by someone in a church. Raise your hand up big and high. Okay? All right. You have been offended in a church. How many of you have never been offended in a church? Raise your hand up because we can arrange that today. Okay, we'd be happy to tell you that you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. But the point I'm just making is this, look, that everybody gets their feelings hurt. It's what God said will happen, right? So, look, some people get mad and don't like the church because what God said would happen did. He said it's impossible for you to live in this world and not get your feelings hurt, right? So when you do, why are you blown out of the tub? Huh? Why do you freak out and take it out on God and His people? He warned you it was going to happen. 
yeah, but not me, not here, as though somehow we're better than everybody else. That, you know, I, I, I live my life on hallowed ground, and God knows not to let what He said would happen, happen to me. Right? Who do you think you are? You, you know, man, you are at the pinnacle of arrogance, see if you think that. So look, what, what God said could happen did. And oh, it freaked me out. And then what God said would happen did. And we're blown out of the water on that. And God said it's going to happen. So what now? Huh? He warned you. Or thirdly, and more people leave a church for this one than anything I find. And that is what God said should happen didn't. So what God said could happen did. And what God said would happen did. And then what God said shouldn't, should happen didn't. What should happen? Everybody should love everybody, right? True or false? Should everybody in the church love everybody in the church? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, we're, I'm glad to know we're all in agreement on that point, all right? Now, look, should everybody have the same care one for another? Should we fellowship together around the Word of God? When one hurts, we should all hurt with them? So then why, when you were sick, you didn't get any cards? You know what I'm saying? Why, when I was out of church for eight months, nobody called on me, right? They should have, okay? Look, what God said should happen didn't. So you know who we take it out on when it doesn't? God. You're the type of person that just cuts off your nose despite your face. That'll fix you, right? Folks, listen. The Bible says we should be joined together in unity. We should be long-suffering towards one another. We should care for the brethren. The Bible says that we should have fellowship around the Word of God and pray for one another. And does it always happen, yes or no? But should it happen? Yes. Okay, now, do you know what I've discovered? The people that get mad and leave a church because they think it should happen and it didn't often don't do it themselves. They just want everybody to coddle them. How many of you ever noticed that? It's like they're not going to join a church that doesn't have an outreach program, bless God, but when we have it, they don't come, right? They expect the church to have it and everybody else to go, but they don't go. Fact is, look, we're living in an imperfect world, and the fact is that God has a purpose and a plan, and His plan in this age is to save everyone, to add members of the universal church, the way it's going to get done is through a local church, God authorizing local assemblies who have pastors, who are, who are helped by deacons, who are supported by a congregation that gives, utilizing the spiritual gifts that God gives to them to carry out God's work, supporting missionaries to replicate that on the foreign fields and establish indigenous churches. And that should happen. And when it doesn't go exactly so... There are people that throw the whole baby out with the bathwater, right? Yesterday I was in the store, and I heard a terrible noise, and I realized that it was a, a child of the age of about six or seven, maybe eight years of age at the most, and had a very high, shrill voice, a little boy, and he was letting his mother have it, you know? I'm not going to follow you around all day. I'm tired. I want you to take me home. All we ever do is shop, 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 shop. You know, I'm not going. And 
then he sat down, crossed his legs and his arms in the middle of the aisle at the store. Meanwhile, mamas, you know, putting putting bologna and bananas and Cheerios into the basket for the kid. You know what I'm thinking? Man, I'm putting that kid on a starvation diet right now. I wanted to go over and say, ma'am, I think I can help you with this young fella here. You know, you need to apply the board of education to the seat of learning. Amen. I can get a witness up in here today, right? I mean, I, I would have gladly obliged her. It was so annoying, you know. It's like, but listen, you know, he was being nasty to his mother and his mother didn't take him to the orphanage. She bought him Cheerios for crying out loud. The point is, is simply, folks, listen. Why is it that we have such little tolerance for the people we're going to spend forever with? It's a problem, isn't it? Notice this. Are we having fun yet? I am, even if you don't. You know, I I decided when God called me to be a pastor that if I can't have fun in church, I'm never going to have any fun because I spend most of my time here, right? So... If you don't have fun today, it's your own dumb fault. I'm, I'm enjoying myself, all right? So, uh, listen, I love the Word of God. But, you know, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Okay? Second reason why people have this negative bent towards Christianity and church is maturity. It's a problem of Christian maturity because they're babes. They're babes in the way that they speak. That's what Paul said here. In, the way, in what they understand and in how they think. Now, how many of you have spent much time around little babies recently? Let me see your hands. How many grandmas and grandpas here? How, how many mamas and daddies with, with little ones? Man, praise the Lord for that, Right? How many of you are aware that babies are pretty much about themselves, right? Um, they, they want to be held, they want to be fed, they want to be bathed, they want to be coddled, they want to be bestowed upon with all manner of good things, they want to be the center of attention oftentimes, right? And when they don't get their way, they're going to let everybody for a three block radius hear about it, Right? They're, they're going to throw a wall-eyed fit. If John Scholes was here this morning, he would testify that a wall-eyed fit is a bad fit to throw. Because he comes from wall-eyed country. A fisherman. Listen, they made it entirely about themselves. Can I ask you a question? Is church all about me? No, it's not. This isn't about me at all, Right? I know some preachers that they really work hard. They try to create perfect worship service and stuff. And somebody, you know, makes a disturbance in the service. They take it personal. You know, I don't. It's not about me. It's not my program. It's not my truth. It's not my work. I'm just a cog in the wheel. Do you you understand? I'm just a part of what God has ordained. It's not about me. It's not about any individual. It's all about who? It's all about Jesus, right? How many of you know that? But knowing that and doing that are two different things. How many of you have ever known better and didn't do it? Raise your hand, okay? Raise your neighbor's hand. You know, we don't make a liar out of folks. We've all known better and didn't do better, right? 
And so sometimes we know it's all about Jesus and we go to church and we still make it about us. Well, they didn't even shake my hand. You know, or, you know why, why, why didn't they, you know, uh, you know, take my temperature first? I was standing in line longer than they were. You know, listen, it's not about you. Who gives a rip? This is about the Lord and His work and we need to come to a place where we grow up in this thing and begin to think in biblical terms, in other words, to have the mind of Christ. What is a remedy for a bunch of immature babies? Well, I'll tell you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 11. Are you still with me? Say amen. Okay, if you have your mask on and can't talk, grunt. <laughs> Say oorah, okay, because that's what it sounds like to me anyhow. But uh, Hebrews 5.11, it says this. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. That uh, Teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern, that's, that's adult-like understanding, okay? To discern both good and evil. So what's the difference? The word of righteousness. That's what it is. According to this, okay, everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So what's the difference? Being skillful in the word of righteousness. Digging into the truth. Because if we know the truth and we let it settle in our hearts, then we're not going to go off like little babies making it out like it's all about me and, and they, they didn't, no, nobody down there likes me. Oh, shut up. In the first place, you don't know everybody. <laughs> In the second place, you're drinking your bath water. Did you take a survey? Is that how you came to that conclusion? Did you arrive at that all on your own? Good job. You, you know, listen, that's not true. You, you know, well, they're down there talking about me. How do you know that? You're so stuck on yourself, you made it all about you. You think everybody's just obsessing about you. So all they spend their time doing is talking about you, right? Come on, man. If I had that mindset, you know, I, I would just be a basket case all the time. I, listen, I'd be in some, some liberal safe room coloring and playing with Play-Doh and sucking my thumb. You, you would too, wouldn't you? Because you know what, look, I can't live my life by what everybody else is doing. I've got to do what God tells me to do. I can't live my life by what I think, you know, Brother Mark may be saying about me or not doing to me. Look. It's not about me. And I'm not going to live my life on the basis of what everybody else does because then if I do, then I am a babe. And I don't understand what this Bible says about how I should live. And the difference is the word of righteousness. The remedy is the word of God. So the first problem is with members. <laughs> you know what? We, we're not really fond of the people we're called to be in fellowship with. And what God said could happen did, oh boy. He, he told you it could happen. He prepared you for it, and when it did, you got freaked out. Secondly, what God said would happen, did, 
And he's like, I told you it was going to happen. And what God said should happen didn't. And so what we want to do is we want to come up with our own plan. No, God said, look, this is what should happen. And if you work it right, this plan is perfect. So we want to change the plan, not the participants in the plan. You see? You see that? Or are you still a babe? You still drinking milk? What is it? Somebody lactose intolerant? You may come down there and cut your meat? What? <laughs> Some of you don't know what to do with this today, do you? Maybe you need to take your mask off. Some of you are getting a little drought. All that carbon monoxide scrambling your brains. <clears throat> Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're making time here. Are you with me? Say amen. Okay, that's encouraging. Okay, Romans chapter 8. Verse number 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, to be um, absolutely true to the text and the interpretation here, we need to understand, it's talking about those that are truly saved. They're not going to be carnally minded because they're never going to abide in death. Do you see that? But as true believers who are after the Spirit, we can still choose to think on carnal things. You say, how do you know that? You're in the church. (laughs) How do you know that, Pastor? I'm in the church. I know I'm saved, but you know what? Sometimes I'm still possessed by stinking thinking. Do you ever get there? Well, nah, yeah, now you sound like Elmer Fudd on crack. Well, you know, you see, the thing is, look, what happens is we, we can go on down through this and we see that the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means I've, I've set myself against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at verse number 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, let me just say this to you. We have problems with the members of the body sometimes, but that doesn't mean we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? Um, Secondly, we have problems with spiritual maturity. And that doesn't mean that I'm just going to live the rest of my life for me. It means that, look, I'm going to dig into the Word of God and I'm going to learn how to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of difficulty instead of always wanting everybody to live their life to please me. I want to live my life to please Him. Okay. Thirdly, understand this. It's our minds. Our minds. Carnal-mindedness leads us to adopt our own worldly paradigm. Carnal-mindedness. You see... We begin to make choices and formulate ideas on the basis of what pleases me, what I like, right? So that's how I think. I begin to make up my mind based on how I think, what I think and what I feel, what I think and what I feel. Well, how many of you have ever told you, how many of you ever had somebody tell you about opinions? You have? Do I, need to, do I need to paint a picture? I'd take off my shirt right now and, and illustrate <laughs> that opinions are like belly buttons. You, you know, they're, 
that everybody's got one and they're full of something. That, you know, listen, the point is, thank you, Brother George, I appreciate the wheezing. <laughs> I can always count on Brother George to laugh at my stupid humor, all right? And you know what, if he doesn't laugh, I'll just laugh at my own jokes. I'm that way, you know, so I'll crack myself up. But uh, anyhow, carnal mindedness leads us to adopt our only own worldly paradigm. And so sometimes what happens is our attitudes are shaped based purely upon what we think and what we feel, not based on what God says. Well, I think that they need to... Wait a minute. Okay. So now you're going to decide whether or not that's a good church based on what you think? Even if they're doing what God said? It's not what you think? Is that the, the test? Doesn't pass your smell test because what you think or what you feel? Now you're supplanting God's word and you've become the authority? Do you see what I'm saying here? You know, the fact is people that get upset out of a church... 99% of the time, they're not standing on the Word of God. You know, they want us to teach the kids in Sunday school, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. But we're leaving the church because I feel that they should have listened to me in the meeting and painted the church pink painted the kitchen blue, and they painted it yellow. You, you don't listen, folks. Come on. Are you with me? Now, now look, th this is normally a Sunday night message, but since we haven't had Sunday night in a while, um, I thought I would just pull it out on you. But uh, listen, <clears throat> we are to desire to have the mind of Christ. Read sometime Philippians chapter 2. We don't have time to turn there because I'm racing to the end of this thing, but it says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I want to have the mind of Christ so that when a need arises within the body of Christ, I know how to care in that situation because I'm experiencing the mind of Christ because I have been in the book that reveals it to me and plants it in my heart. A lot of people have a bias against the church, organized religion. And in the, in the bad sense, I, I despise it. Okay, But really, drawing near to his body when we don't like it. Folks, you need to fall in love with it. You love it. It's not perfect. This isn't a perfect church. How many of you know that? It was a sad day when I had to come to terms with the fact that I don't have the first per perfect physique. Right? And, and, and now I'm, I'm having to get that bumper sticker that says, God created only so many perfect heads, Brother Kelly. And the others he covered with hair. Right? Look, there's no perfect church. No perfect church. How many of you know that? Okay, there's no perfect church. If there was one, don't join. Because you'd ruin it. Right? The problem is that churches are filled with people. Now that's the problem, isn't it? I had a guy one time tell me, Pastor, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Right? That's sort of the whole point. <laughs> right? 
That's like a vet that would say, being a vet is great if it wasn't for animals, right? Like, uh, I think you're in the wrong business here, dude, right? And, and so this is all about people. Thank you, Brother TJ. I appreciate it. I heard the chort. Turn to John chapter 21. We'll wrap this up, put a bow on it. Are you still awake? Okay. Go a little longer and put you to sleep if you're tired. Some people say, man, when I have insomnia, I put on sermon audio and listen to your sermons. Put the right to sleep. <laughs> you're laughing a little too loud, and I'm not sure I like and appreciate that. <laughs> Look at John chapter number 21, all right? The Bible says here in verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? We, and then finally he said, feed my sheep. Now listen, the Lord was calling Peter back into discipleship and fellowship here. But he didn't want Peter to do it for selfish motivation any longer, arguing with the rest of them about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. He didn't want him standing up and making selfish declarations about what he was or wasn't going to do. He wanted him to, with humility, understand the true meaning of discipleship. And because he loved Christ alone, choose to serve him. Jesus was cutting through all of the garbage and getting right down to the heart of the matter. What is your motive for doing this? And here's, here's what we get to. Lastly, motivation. You see, the highest motive for drawing near to his body is love. I think all of us could probably, in part or in whole, quote some or all of the love chapter. How many of you think you might be able to do some or all? I'm not going to give you a quiz, but you think you're familiar with it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become the sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. So I could be doing everything that a church should do, but if I'm not doing it for the right reason, guess what? I'm not going to stay doing it. And the motivation that God calls me to is the highest and most honorable, noble motive, and that is because of love. In Galatians, we're in chapter 5, admonished to buy, love, serve one another. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, we're admonished to love the brethren. Beloved, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Look, we're not to shut up our bowels of compassion from those that have need and say, just be warm and clothed. 
let's not just love in word or in deed. That's what God calls us to. The reason why we have a, a, a Samaritan closet, the reason why we help homeless people, the reason why we help the families in need within our church is not because we have to or because that's what our charter says we do. No, we do it because we love the Lord and we can demonstrate love to Him by showing love to those for whom that He died. In Matthew chapter 25, the Lord is talking about the sheep and goat judgment and those who have mistreated uh, the, the children of Israel. But there's a principle just the same that applies to His children that are a part of the church because Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus, Why persecutest thou me? So look, when we touch the body of Christ, we've touched Christ. And what Jesus said to those being judged at that a sheep and goat judgment was this, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And we've seen that used for all manner of charitable work and trying to get people to emotionally give. But the reality is this, we need to understand that when we love the body of Christ, these people join together, we're demonstrating a sincere hearted love for God. The greatest and highest motive is to serve Him. And I, I, I just today want you to understand, when we begin to participate because of what pleases self, that is by definition lust. Because lust wants self-desire to be indulged. That's lust. Love is the opposite of that. It is others-minded. I have talked to many people in recent days who want to find a church that has a great band because they like music. Okay, It doesn't matter if the, church, if the music ministry of the church is ministering to needs or uplifting Christ or proclaiming truth. All they want to know is, does it make my toe tap and my heart feel good? Does it give me a warm fuzzy every once in a while? Look, everybody likes that, but, but I'm just saying... There are very few churches in this world that can afford to pay the kind of people that make you do that every time you come. And you realize they are paid most of them. Right? So do, do, do we have a band, you know? People want to know, do you have sports teams for my kids? Do you have a babysitting registry? Do you have Christian Zumba? Do you, do you know, do you have fitness programs? Do you, do you know, listen, we, we hear all of it. So somehow it was the church's job to fulfill your every whim. Right? The fact of the matter is, we should not participate because it satisfies the whim of my flesh. We should choose love. Oh, not the organized religion that everybody hates. But draw near to the body, even occasionally when someone in that body hasn't been nice to me. And even occasionally when they might sing a song that I'm unfamiliar with. Or even when they wear masks and gloves and nobody shakes my hand. Today that's an act of love, right? So we think. So we're called to love one another. We're not, try, we're not called to rewrite God's script of how to do church. 
We're called to follow it. Now let me tell you something. Years ago I was pastoring in California and there's a man in the church that, that came in. He and his wife were having a hard time. They were just fighting like cats and dogs. you know. And uh, so they, they made an appointment. They came and sat down. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not... I'm not uh, I'm not uh, hating on any group of people at all when I say this, but um, I, I, I had, had a word of prayer with them, you know, greet them, offer them something to drink, sit down. His husband and wife, they're both pretty large people. The guy was tall, but he was a big guy. He's easily three, four bills, you know, and, uh, and his wife was bigger. And uh, in, anyway, uh, so I'm like, you know, how can I help you folks today? So grateful that God brought you to church and you've made an appointment because you're having some issues. What's the problem? He looks at her. She looks at him. He's like, I'll start. I'm like, okay, you go ahead and start. He said, well, the truth of the matter is I don't see how we're going to stay together. And uh, I said, what seems to be the problem here? He said, she's so ugly she makes my eyes water. And She's so heavy set and she won't do anything about it. I'm embarrassed to be seen with her. Well, I thought that was kind of rude, and I don't want this this lady thinking that I'm, you know, going along with that. So I looked at him and I said, you know, you're not so tiny your own self. He's like, I know it, but at least I've started going to the gym and she won't go with me. So then he proceeded to tell me what a terrible housekeeper she was and how that it was roach infested and all day long there were dishes piled up and dirty diapers and that she would, you know, wait till it flowed over and she'd start yelling at him when he got home from work tired, you know, they had to do all this and that. She, she wouldn't put on makeup or wear clean clothes. and I mean, he, he just had a long list of things. And, and I thought, man, this thing is over. It's all over but to shout and hear, you know. I was waiting for the fat lady to sing. Not her, but am I, I'm getting in this deep, aren't I? I'm somebody like, Pastor, I don't know how you're going to get out of this one. I listen. I didn't read your rule book on preaching, so maybe you could mail it to me. I'm just telling you what other people said, all right? Just being honest here. And I mean, they, they just wanted each other. They had nothing good to say about each other. I thought, this thing's over. I mean, this marriage is in the tank. You know, and so I tried to give him some biblical counsel. I gave him some homework to do. I said, you know, met with him a few times, and and, and they decided to try to work it out. And and and, uh, but but I just wasn't holding out a great deal of hope. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be weak in faith here, but you know, man, this is this is a rough situation. This can require a miracle. Okay, fast forward 21 years. I'm at Becky's graduation in Lancaster, California. And I turn around, and here's the two people that sat in my office that day. They were holding hands. They said, Pastor Chapel! They hugged my neck. It was before COVID. They had, a, they had a child in West Coast Baptist College. They said, God's been so good to us. 
you know what I want to just simply say? God gave them a grace to overcome the most hurtful things you could ever imagine and to find joy in something that they once hated. And can I tell you something? You won't find joy in places you run to. You'll find joy in the places God leads you to. If God led you here, you might be upset with somebody here. But if God led you here and you know it, find the grace to overcome it. And just continue loving on the body of Jesus. Because I don't know how to break this to you folks. These people here, if they are true believers in Jesus and so are you, we're going to spend forever together. That shouldn't be a threat, right? Listen, I'm not going to snore up there, honey. Okay? I have a perfect body. It's hard for you to imagine right now. but Look, folks, just decide, I'm going to love Christ. And one of the ways I express that is by loving His body. That's us guys. I took the man aside who's having problems with his wife who came in and said mean things about her. And I just put my arm around him. I said, man, I prayed so much for you. I, I'm, I'm just so happy the Lord allowed you to stay together. You know, he started crying. He said, I started thinking about something I was studying. I realized that the Bible said that I needed to love her as Christ loved me. And he said, when I started loving her like that, Pastor, the funniest thing happened. She started loving me too. And everything changed. He said, but I don't like somebody down church. You know what? Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Start loving them like God would have you love them. And you know what? It'll come back. It'll come right back. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of the Word of God. I pray, dear Lord, that you would sear these truths in our hearts and help us, dear Lord, to have the right outlook on that which you brought into existence for your work. May we see that you made us members of that, and may we be delighted to serve you through it. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. No one is looking around. Perhaps you're seated in this room, and you would say, Pastor Mark, I know that I'm a Christian, but I haven't been really loving the body of Christ like I probably should be. And God's dealing with me about that. And I want to love the body of Christ. I know it proves that I'm a Christian, but I haven't been doing it. My life hasn't been showing that proof like it should. Pray for me that I would draw near to the body of Christ. Here's my hand. Pray for me. God bless you and you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Then perhaps this morning there's someone that would say, Pastor Mark, I'm not even certain that if I died right now that I would go to heaven. 
And I'm concerned about that. I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven, that heaven is my home. If that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. You would say, Pastor, don't embarrass me, but please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. If that's you, while no one is looking, I wonder if you just slip your hand up. Just put it up and write that down. Just slip it up and down. God bless you. In a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Whether you lifted your hand for some need or not, if God is dealing with your heart, I'm going to invite you to respond however He directs. If you're not sure that heaven is your home, I'm going to be down here on the floor. I have a mask on. And if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that heaven is your home, you'd like to talk to somebody who's got a mask on six feet away from you, we'll be happy to have them show you from a Bible how you can be saved and know it. Just come right up to me. I'll know why you're here. We'll have, we'll have someone talk to you. If you'd like to kneel and say, I've, I've been a little distant from the body of Christ. I've not felt the need to be around it or participate with it. I've had an attitude towards it. Whatever the case, maybe, maybe what you need to do is just come and kneel and say, God, here I am. I'm going to ask you, if you're able right now to stand to your feet, if you're able, if you would just stand to your feet. We're going to sing that God is dealing with you. I invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and as thou bidst me come to As we sing the next verse, would you come? Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee. God, today we, we just bow before you with grateful hearts, thankful that you loved us when we were unlovable and unlovely and we were undone. Thank you, Lord, that when we, we act out of character, you don't push us away. Lord, I thank you for these folks gathered here on Neighbor Day. Bless them, I pray. Lord, help us to make the difference that you're calling us to. Lord, I pray that you would bless the ministry of Freeway in a wonderful way in the days that lie before us. Lord, I pray that we might remember the truth of this long after we have left this place. This we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.